It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Who they think you're gonna beat them bangles? It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We just can't have a normal day in Paul Brown Stadium. Before we spend too much time despairing over the bad news and the interview that A.J. Green gave in the locker room today, let's look at the positives. Four players back at practice today, Joe, that were coming off of injuries. Yeah, Tyler Eifert, who gets a veteran day rest yesterday, is full go today. Along with him was Darquez Denard, Cordy Glenn, Carl Lawson, and John Miller. No word on if Cordy Glenn was starting at left tackle, though. But if he is, and if Denard is going to play outside along with William Jackson on the other side, and if Carl Lawson can be a pass rusher, and if John Miller can go back in and play at right guard, those are all fairly significant upgrades of positions that haven't been on the field for the better part of this year. So there's some reason to be optimistic for the Bengals. And the other reason, if you're part of that part of Bengals fandom that wants to win, Lamar Jackson didn't practice today. Yeah, that's right. And obviously that would be a huge loss for the Ravens. I don't know what that means. Maybe he'll practice tomorrow. Uh, All we know today as of right now is he's, he wasn't at practice. So that's a little advantage for the Bengals, obviously. And, you know, as they're getting as healthy as they've been all year, But Lamar Jackson was just out with an illness, so he is expected to play. And again, um, that would be a big thing for the Ravens if it affects them in in the least. I, if it's an illness, would expect that it would not. However, still, just having Carl Lawson back out there should help in the secondary. Having Darquez Denard actually might be the biggest difference for this team in run defense against the Ravens. He is a strong run defender at the corner position. He's a physical guy. The Bengals don't have much of that on this team outside of him and B.W. Webb in the secondary. So obviously Sean Williams as well, uh, the strong safety who's been playing in the box a lot this year. So those guys all ready to go against Baltimore, barring a setback like A.J. Green has had. And so he, talking to the media today, his ankle is swollen up. This, I guess, has been happening as he's been working his way back slowly. This has been part of the delay. He was asked about the contract extension. Zach Taylor was asked about the contract extension. Both of them said they're not really worried about it. Zach Taylor believes A.J. Green when he says the injury has nothing to do with the contract extension and vice versa. But A.J. sounded frustrated today, and I don't think he's only frustrated about the ankle. I think that's certainly part of it. 
But the way he said, you know, if they don't believe in what I can do and I'm healthy, there's 30 other one, 31 other teams out there who will. That is ominous, to say the least, for a team that lost Andrew Whitworth just a couple of years ago. And it's also true because I do think other teams would take the chance on him. Basically, what I think he's saying is don't lowball me. Pay me what he, I'm worth and I'll be here. If you don't, he will find somebody that will. And he's not wrong. And also at the same time, Everything we've had for eight years of A.J. Green suggests that he's not letting this linger in order to get a contract done or make sure he gets paid. But he did say he has to think about himself first, and I completely agree with him. Because with eight games remaining, without a contract extension, because if they would have had one in the offseason, well, then there's less pressure there. But with this impending free agency coming up for him, he needs to make sure he's healthy at that point. He doesn't need to make sure he's healthy for this Sunday. He needs to make sure he's healthy for March. And that should be goal number one for him because of the situation he's put in. There's obviously a benefit to him putting something on tape this year to remind everyone in the league that he is still A.J. Green. But I don't think that anyone could possibly forget how good this guy is. And if he does hit the free agent market, the closest comparable I could really find and it's a slightly less severe injury history, especially if AJ doesn't play at all this year, which he said in his interview, it might take a year or, or sorry, not a year, a month or two off for the ankle to get right, which obviously gets us through the end of the year. He didn't rule out playing this year by any means, but regardless, the closest comparable I could find was Deshaun Jackson when he was into his 30s, signed a three-year, I think it was $11 million per year. And Deshaun Jackson, for one, isn't as good of a player as A.J. Green. And two, this was several years ago, and wide receivers are getting paid a whole lot more now. So there's certainly a market for A.J. Green out there. Somebody will pay him. Yeah, and, and to think about another superstar that was older on the other side of 30 that was coming off injury, uh, Richard Sherman tore his Achilles with the Seahawks. Uh, in free agency, he got a three-year deal worth up to $39 million from the 49ers. There was a lot of incentives to make sure he stayed healthy. There's a lot of incentives if he hit the Pro Bowl to say, if you get back to your elite form, you'll make the full value of this contract, which is a pretty good deal for him, three years, $39 million. So I could see something very similar in, in the way it's structured for Green, and he'd still get his money. And the other interesting note to wrap up on A.J. Green is toward the end of the interview, he said he thinks he's going to play another five years. Of course, for wide receivers, anything can change at any time, really at any position in the NFL. But he wants to go another five years, which takes him all the way out to 2025. And I'm glad he's setting the window or the table for a five-year window because we've talked about the window of opportunity for them, how they need to kind of reset and re-aim their, their sights on the next window that's available. If they draft a quarterback this year, then that opens a window in 2021 and, and you know, and through that rookie deal at the very least. So for Green to say that, well, then it makes even more sense to not rush it or not push it this year. This year means nothing. They're 0-8. If anything, we would like them to get the highest position available in, in the draft. Sure, we want to be sure that he can still play. But if that means the final four weeks, then fine. I, You know, I, I'm not mad that he's not playing. I'm disappointed because it felt like he was getting ready. I'm, I am concerned that he can't stay healthy at this point in his career, and maybe it takes a lot longer for him to recover. I think there's merit there. Uh, but at the same time, if they're going to keep him, if the plan is for him to stay and they are going to eventually extend him, then this season does not matter at all. Yeah, you don't rush him back. But it is true. As you get older, it just takes longer to heal. And he's in his 30s now. Maybe in his 20s, he's back. But he's 31, right? So 
It's going to take a little bit longer. We're going to talk about the Ravens game a little bit more. Some interesting notes came out this week that I saw on Twitter about how the Bengals defended the Ravens in terms of man versus zone coverage and what most teams in the NFL do versus what the Bengals did. So we'll talk about that a little bit and get into the rest of the matchup, what we're hoping to see. Ryan Finley debuts, which I still kind of have to see to believe, to be honest. And we'll talk about all that here in just a minute. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. My bookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff if by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today to play so you win and get paid. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Your 0-8 Bengals take on the 6-2 Baltimore Ravens this Sunday. Um, looking at it, the Ravens coming off of that huge win. Jake, I don't know if you watched that against the Patriots at all, but it was impressive. At one point, I believe it was 17 nothing, and then the Ravens fumble the ball and give it to the Patriots, and they end up fumbling on the next series or the one after that and giving it back to the New England. Uh, that game could have got ugly really, really quick. They ended up winning pretty comfortably, but at the same time, what a dominating win for them. I assume they, they're coming off of a major high there. Uh, even the Ravens guy I talked to, Kevin, during Crossover Wednesday said maybe this could be a trap game because they're coming off of that performance and, that, and you know, being so geared up to play the Patriots and then come down to see the 0-8 Bengals without A.J. Green at this point. So uh, as I'm looking at it, the Ravens, uh, surprisingly, I'm looking at the points for, points against. I know it's a very basic stat, but I'm surprised to see that they're only behind the Patriots and the Chiefs in the AFC, and they're only one point behind the Chiefs. So I still think of them as a defensive team, but I guess at this point they're better offensively than defensively. They certainly are. And we talked about that a little bit the first time they played the Ravens. The defense hasn't been as good this year. Their best linebacker is Josh Bynes, who they signed off the street a few weeks ago. He's been very, very good for them. Uh, How many games have those teams played? So the Ravens are 19 points behind the Patriots in one fewer game played. So more points per game than the Patriots. Yeah. 
the Chiefs have played nine games as well, so one point behind the Chiefs right. and one fewer game played. So they're scoring a bunch of points. Yep. So that means uh, technically you could say they are the number one offense in the AFC in terms of points per game. And points per game and maybe the NFL. Looks like the NFL to me. San Francisco's played eight games, scored 235 points. And that's the closest anyone comes, it looks like to me. Well, great. So the Ravens are playing really well. They're really hot. Their defense has actually been hot the last since they played the Bengals, actually. Yeah. That came maybe kicked them off a little bit. Yep. And signing Josh Bynes made a huge difference. I know. Isn't it funny how that goes? Here's, you know, if you would have asked me four weeks into the year, hey, Joe, should the Bengals sign Josh Bynes? I'd have said no <laughs> because he, you know, was bounced around at this point. He was an undrafted guy out of Auburn, and he's not really what the Bengals need, but he's exactly what the Ravens needed, I guess. It's interesting to see just how much they hid their linebackers against New England, though. Yeah. They played at least 67 snaps on defense. I'm assuming 67 because Earl Thomas and Chuck Clark, their safeties, played 67 snaps each. Marcus Peters played 67 snaps. Marlon Humphrey had 67. So 67 snaps. Josh Bynes and Patrick Owusor. Yeah, that's pretty close, sure. Played 25 and 28 snaps, respectively. Hmm. Played less than half. They just didn't put linebackers on the field unless they absolutely had to. Very interesting. If there's a weakness in this defense, though, because now since then they've traded for Marcus Peters mm-hmm. and they've gotten Jimmy Smith back, hey, this has to be the game they try to run it, right? I know they've got big defensive tackles. I know Josh Bynes is like a run defending D tackle, but or a middle linebacker, I'm sorry. But if A.J. Green's not out there, man, I just think this is the type of game that the Bengals should try to shorten as much as possible with Ryan Finley out there. And you would think that this would be the – the situation where they're like, okay, no matter what, we're going to load up on Joe Mixon and we're going to try to run this damn ball finally. We'll see if they figure out a way to do it because I think, I agree with you, they will have every intention coming into this game of running the ball as much as they can regardless of the score. They're going to, I don't see them throwing Finley to the Wolves and the Ravens blitz a ton. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's a test for a rookie quarterback, right? How's he going to handle the blitz? Could go well, could go poorly. He, and the Ravens are blitzing so much because they really only have one pass rusher on the no entire pass team. Rushers. Well, I was I was going to say, um, geez, uh, Matt Judon, and that's really their only edge rusher. And I, besides that, nobody. I mean, uh, no one out there you have to worry about. I wouldn't even count Matt Judon. He's like average of best. He's Sam Hubbard rushing the rushing the passer this year, which I know to many Bengals fans might sound great, but Sam Hubbard has been average of best as a pass rusher. Just to be clear. Very fair. That's fine. So then that makes it even clearer, the, the the gap they have, that their Sam Hubbard is the best pass rusher on their team by right. far. I mean, these other guys aren't wouldn't even touch the Bengals' defensive line. Right. I mean, I'm sure some of these guys are going to show out, depending on who's playing on the Bengals' offensive line. The interior guys who are nose tackles for most teams are probably going to get some pressure, and we'll see how Ryan Finley handles it. But you're right. They are going to blitz a ton. One other thing, Maurice Canada was released. That was the guy the Bengals targeted a bunch of times against the Ravens. Mm-hmm. That's where Auden Tate got a bunch of his catches. They said, we're not going to go towards Humphrey, who was shutting down Boyd in the slot. They said, we're just going to pick on Canada the entire time. I think this could be a game if the Bengals aren't vastly improved from four weeks ago, which, I mean, I don't know how you make the argument unless Finley goes out there and just balls. This might be a game where they uh, – struggled to match the points they had. And if you remember, Brandon Wilson kick returns to start the game last week, yeah. last time. 
And that's a big deal. That was a big reason it was close. We've talked about, I think, before on the podcast, best rushing offense in the league for the Ravens, worst rushing offense in the league for the Bengals, and worst rushing defense. Is that still true? For the, that has to be. I don't see how it couldn't be. They haven't stopped it still since that stat was out two weeks ago. So we get to watch Lamar Jackson extend the mesh point into eternity again. Right. <laughs> we get to all sit here and think, man, they should have drafted Lamar Jackson and just built around him, but they didn't. And we have to play against it, and this is going to be the foreseeable future for Bengals, play- Bengals fans. So we'll see if they can make an adjustment on defense, right? Last time they played the Ravens, the Bengals are the only team in the league, and I think this was PFF that had it, is that right? That played more man than zone, more man than they usually do right. against the Ravens. Every other team that's played the Ravens plays more zone than they're used to doing. Even the Patriots, who are a man-heavy, heavy team, played a lot more zone last week against Baltimore, and that's so that they can keep their eyes on Lamar Jackson. Exactly. And the Bengals instead... And their sheer brilliance play more man than they usually do when they play Baltimore the first time. And, and Lamar Jackson, of course, went off. An old saying to me that I've always remembered was that you play man coverage when you don't think the receivers are very good on the other team. And they didn't have uh, Hollywood Brown last time. But you play zone coverage when you don't think the quarterback is very good because you're trying to confuse them. Um, the, in this case, because Jackson's such a runner – you want to play zone. It's not so much to confuse Jackson, even though I think that might be the best option also, but it's because you've got to keep eyes on him. You can't turn your backs and let him just run freely and have his special trait on display the entire time. Um, when I look at it, I think the Bengals are going to need their best game possible from the defensive line, and not only containing him, but getting pressure on him. They got one sack on Jackson last time, and it just if you remember that game, Mark Andrews was killing the, the, uh, the, the linebackers. He did have that one fumble, but he had a big game. So they didn't really need those receivers. They, the Bengals just put themselves at, at a disservice by running around with those wide receivers when really they're not, they haven't been a threat. It's been Hollywood, and that's all for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson just has such great escapability, right? He's the 21st most pressured quarterback in the NFL. And of those pressures, only 18% have turned into sacks, which is roughly... Well, no, it's definitely better than average looking at the PFF numbers here. He's just, how many times did the Bengals get close the first time they played? They couldn't even get a hand on him. Yeah, they were close a few times, a handful of times. And right, like you said, he would change the arm angle. He would um, slide in the pocket. He would. The one that sticks out to me is when Hubbard and Lawson were coming around the edge and looked like they were going to get him. And he stepped up in the pocket away from him, stepped back away. They almost like crashed into each other and he's, cool and calm, takes a step out, flicks it out to a running back. And it's like, okay, that's just, he's the most dominant. He's the most explosive athlete on the team, on the field, I should say. That's what I want to say. He Look at the Bengals' defense. He's the best athlete on the entire field. They need to think of something else, another way to get him uh, down. And you remember last, that was the game that Jermaine Pratt played his most snaps of the season. And I guess I hope to like to see that again, because Ravens will go out there a lot in two tight ends. And do you want them to spy? I mean, is it even worth sure. dedicating a player to the spy when it isn't going to matter anyway? He's going to make the guy miss one-on-one. Yeah, I think I. you're right because he's not even going to catch up with that guy, right? Who would be the best spy if they if they were? Jermaine Pratt because he has some speed and he's, Sean a, Williams. he's a strong tackler. Yeah, Sean Williams. Yeah, I don't think he's got the speed to keep up with him, but yeah. Neither does Pratt. 
Nobody does. Nobody <laughs> Let's does. be honest. Yeah. Dark was Denard on him. But I feel like Denard's running a, a 4-6 at this point in his career. Probably. So who's the choice? This guy that they just signed to the practice squad. He runs a 4-5. I know. You're excited about him. Big guy, too. I'm looking at uh, some of their issues, too. They've been penalized a lot. Nick Boyle, five times. Orlando Brown, four. Uh, Bradley Bozeman, four. Is their left guard. Ronnie Stanley, four. Their offensive line has a lot of false starts, it looks like. Um yeah, I'm looking at the pressures, too, because he has been pressured a bunch. Bozeman, the left guard, charged with 16. Orlando Brown with 15. Lamar Jackson himself, 12 pressures and five sacks at this point. That's the that's Five sacks is the most anyone on the Ravens have uh, given up. So they're mostly on him for holding the ball, trying to make a little too much happen. So of his 18 sacks that he's been, that he's endured this year, five of them, PFF credits to his own fault, Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? Nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie, and when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. So, Jake, I just flipped over the defensive side to look at penalties on, on them. Pernell McPhee with four. Marlon Humphrey with six. Six penalties. Two of them have been declined. So, uh, yeah, he's been targeted a little bit there. He's allowing an 80 rating in pass coverage. He's been really good. I, I really like the way he played Tyler Boyd. When I watched that game on film, I just – it was this was coming off Boyd's big game against – the Jaguars? No, it was the Cardinals. The Cardinals where he, at the end there, he scored that touchdown on that deep post, and then he comes and gets the Ravens, and nothing. And it was really because Humphrey, so strong, uh, but athletic at the same time. You want to talk about Alabama players that pan out, Jake? Marlon Humphrey so far. Scout the player, not the school. This is easy. Yeah, Marvin Humphrey, though. That's a good player. I mean, how do the Bengals challenge this team in the passing game? 
Tyler Eifert, maybe, if you can get him away from Earl Thomas, maybe just go high against Earl Thomas and let sure. Eifert win in the air. I mean, Auden Tate, he's still huge. He should still have some matchups. And there's a little bit of a pick your poison, I guess, for, for Baltimore here because they'll have to dedicate Marlon Humphrey to one of those two big guys. And Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Smith is a long corner, but I feel pretty good about Auden Tate in those matchups just for what we use Auden Tate for, right? No separation, put it high, put it away from his body, let him go get it. But how else do you even attack this team? We talked about the running game, but if you, they need to pass, which they will because they haven't been able to run it all year, what do you do? Well, first and foremost, they're going to have to protect Ryan Finley, right? A lot of this game, a lot of this topic is Ryan Finley. And how does he play? Does he have the jitters? I think, I believe he's, I read something in my headline. I didn't even click on it that said he was nervous going into this uh, first start in the NFL. Of course he is. But, um, you know, I, I think if he can be cool at some point, be calm. If he can navigate the pocket a little bit better than Dalton, there are plays out there that could be upgraded to get this offense going. I don't know if he can do that in game one. I don't know what we're expecting. I, there was a part of me that was kind of, okay, A.J. Green's not here. At least we can see Finley and Dalton on the same or a level playing field, uh, you know, as much as you can in the NFL after a couple weeks. Uh, but, you know, largely I, I hope the Bengals find a way to scheme guys open a little bit. And for me, the last time they played the Ravens, the Ravens said, okay, we'll put an extra guy in the box. We'll play free safety in the middle field with Earl Thomas, and we're going to force you to throw to the boundary. And at that time, Erickson really wasn't, you know, out there making a lot of plays for them. It was really audentate only. So maybe this time Erickson can cause a little uh, headache for the Ravens. But when you look at the, the the backfield, the defensive backs for Baltimore, I mean, these guys are really, really good and, and don't give up a lot and don't and get their hands on the ball often. It's going to be tough for Finley. I hope at the same time, while I don't have high expectations for Finley, I don't think we should be so tough on him. I think this is a real bad matchup. It's not as bad as it could have been in the last few years when Baltimore still had a good defense, but I agree with you that that Ravens secondary is improved and improving, especially with Earl Thomas back there. He's starting to really show that he's still Earl Thomas. And I think you're right. The Ravens should absolutely force Ryan Finley, if I'm looking at it from their perspective, to throw to the boundary, because if you do that, you eliminate half the field. Because he cannot throw far boundary. Maybe he maybe he can. Maybe this has changed since the preseason. But I remember watching all of his throws in the preseason, and I think I saw one or two where he went far outside numbers. Just didn't do it. He doesn't have the velocity to get the ball in in those windows. Maybe this has improved, and we'll see if he does it. Watch for it. It's something that we can all watch for against yeah, for Baltimore. Sure. Where does Ryan Finley throw the football? How many of his throws are you know schemed open like behind the line of scrimmage within five yards of the line of scrimmage how many of them are an extension of the run game can he execute the screens that have been designed that Andy Dalton couldn't seem to execute or this offensive line couldn't seem to execute depending on who you want to blame and then does he have the arm strength if the Ravens are forcing the ball to the outside to actually use both sides of the field right because on the outside throws the anticipation accuracy it's still important, but it only gets takes so a, far. Right. It takes a back seat to arm strength. You can watch a lot of throws. You can watch Tom Brady and say, well, arm strength's not really important for a quarterback. And I would agree. Uh, you know, it's not the most important thing. But then when a defense can force you to throw it to the boundary, you start to say, I need arm strength. And we've seen it a lot in games against Dalton where teams are like, you know what? 
We are not going to let the running game beat us. We're going to make Andy Dalton throw it to the outside, especially once they lost Marvin Jones. This, this became very true. It's like, all right, we'll shade the safety towards A.J. Green, and you'll throw the to Tate and or LaFell and, and Erickson and Boyd, and we really won't worry about those guys. You're going to force it outside to Brandon LaFell. We'll let you do that because that's a – you know, that, that's a fool's game to play that one. And the Bengals did it and tried to very often and, and didn't find success 16 and 17 passing the ball in the air like that. So I think if I was if I were the Ravens defense, just like you said, all right, Ryan Finley, beat us with your arm. And let's hope to be pleasantly surprised. At the same time, there is some accuracy and anticipation and touch things that even over the middle, they're going to get a couple chances, especially, especially – mm-hmm. If they can get the ground game going, if they can get the play-action game going, get the middle-of-the-field crossers open, it's something they've really gone away from and haven't been able to hit all year long. And if they can manufacture it and get back to it and at least run that large section of their playbook, it's going to make the offense better for it. And that's where they need the offensive line to play better because I'm with you. This is something that I was hoping to see this year, and we've just seen so little of the little reverse wheels that are in vogue in the NFL right now, the rub routes that they're running out of the slot instead of having tight ends running right now. These are really cool concepts that the Bengals haven't been able to pull off because they take longer than two seconds to develop downfield. They haven't been using play action nearly as much as we thought they would, especially not since the first week of the season. And it's just, where are these staples that we thought would work well with the personnel? And I, I agree with you also that it'll be interesting to see if Finley is more accurate, right? Because we have had issues with the vertical attack this year where Dalton just is missing. He's throwing the ball three yards out of bounds. He's overthrowing, underthrowing. Well, can Finley find the rhythm? Can he find the right time to get rid of the ball, given the limitations that he knows he has on the offensive line? And, and can they improve in that area? This isn't a great pass rush, as we mentioned, but they will blitz a lot. So pre-snap diagnosis going to be important. How good is Ryan Finley going to be there? Because he's older. He has more experience in the college game. First time playing against an NFL regular season defense. How good will he be pre-snap? Because that's going to go a long way toward determining his success. You know, one thing I think we can look forward to in terms of is his accuracy better, timing better, is he under, is he feeling or understanding the offense better uh, than Dalton? We'll be throwing the tape. How many of Tate's plays has he had to dive for, has he had to adjust for? And a lot of it, for me, I'm, I watch it and I go, I think Tate might be a yard or so off on this route. His timing may be a little bit off. But at the same time, if that's not the case, when Finley goes in and yeah. they connect and hook up, I think we'll step back and say, okay, well, I, I you know, that could be the case that Finley's having a more accurate day than Dalton has been having. Yeah, that'll be an interesting little barometer on Tate because he just has made so many spectacular catches, and we've wondered, both of us, aloud, is this because Auden Tate is a step slower or isn't running his routes to the right spot, and Dalton is throwing to where he should be, and he's not where he should be, and so he's making these spectacular catches, or is that just a Dalton accuracy issue? It's not always terribly apparent from watching right. the tape, especially when it gets into little one-yard differences like that. Yeah, the best thing you have sometimes is is if they have a heavy rotation at receiver and you see a direct comparison run the same route later mm-hmm. in the game, you can usually say, okay, I can see directly what this guy didn't do. Uh, but the new offense with Tate taking a large majority of the snaps now, uh, it's hard to compare them to anyone. Yeah. So some things to watch for from the first time starting quarterback. I'm glad we got into that conversation because I wasn't really thinking about like, what am I actually looking for for Ryan Finley? Because there is the outside chance, right? That he goes out there and he's great. 
-hmm. There is, again, slim chance that he exceeds our expectations. They rattle off some wins here, and he's very impressive in doing so. And if he does, great. Then they don't need a quarterback. But we talked about this yesterday. Just I don't want the fool's gold. Right. One more other thing that I'm going to look for for Finley versus Dalton. Dalton was really struggling with pressure, and, and he always has. I just mean remaining accurate, remaining uh, with a strong arm. When guys are closer to him, nudging him just a little bit, pushing him off his spot just a little bit. It, this year I noticed much more his accuracy was really dipping in those scenarios. If Finley can work in a muddy pocket and remain accurate, that should help the offense also. And he was pretty good at that in the preseason. We For wondered sure. if it was more of an obliviousness than a, an awareness and a coolness, but we'll find out. I mean, they like I said, they're facing a team that blitzes a ton. He's going to have to recognize the blitz pre-snap, and when he doesn't, which he inevitably won't, he's going to have to deal with quick pressure and stay cool under pressure, not turn the ball over if the Bengals want to stay in the game. So we'll see how that all goes on Sunday. I'll be in Florida. I'm taking a little bit of a vacation this weekend. I'm back on Tuesday, but Joe will have you covered on Sunday, Monday. We'll get you a recap of the game. I'll still be on Twitter, of course, because I know how much you all will miss my deep insights, especially on Sunday when I just get real trolly. But until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wildcard exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.